Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts. Lauren Tate, and Steve Kelly. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. With you until just 10 o'clock today, a one-hour show. We have Illinois Volleyball broadcast coming up at 10. The Illini playing in an event over in Dayton, Ohio. After beating Missouri State last night, uh, 3-1, to late yesterday afternoon it was. And they'll play Villanova this morning at 10. You can hear that broadcast coming up right uh, after our one-hour show this morning. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Baseball continues. High school football. Big football game in town today. The Virginia Cavaliers are here. Illinois, about a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that ball game. Three o'clock at Memorial Stadium this afternoon. The weather looks good. Should be a good, uh, good time. We're going to learn more about Virginia coming up in a little bit, we'll have their radio play-by-play man, John Freeman, on with us. But uh, Virginia can move the ball through the air. It's going to rain passes in that game. Rain passes. Illinois' defense that that uh, failed in the final drive against Indiana's passes will now face that for four quarters because they're going to throw the ball, and they've got a great passer in, in Brennan Armstrong, and they've got four terrific receivers. I don't know when we've ever faced a team – with as many catches as these guys have. Of course, when the guy's completing, so he threw 500 passes last year, and these same guys are back. Yep, and he's back, and he's got just about every record in the uh, Virginia record book, passing record, and the ones he doesn't have, he'll get before long. <laughs> That's and, right. And he had 405 yards passing against Illinois last year and five touchdown passes. And the guy runs, too. He runs the he football. Does. He ran for 270 yard, or 251 yards last year. And he ran for 100, uh, over 100 yards this past Saturday. He had a 64-yard scoring run. Mm-hmm. He got, uh, got loose. So, so the guy will scramble out of the backfield. We know that. And he will throw the ball more accurately than maybe anybody they'll face all year. Yep. We'll talk more about uh, that ball game certainly uh, in this hour and uh, in our pregame coverage, which begins at 1 o'clock this afternoon from Memorial Stadium. Plenty of uh, talk about that Illinois-Virginia game. All 14 Big Ten teams in action today, and uh, they're all favored. Mostly lopsided. Yeah. The two closest games are the Illinois game and the Iowa-Iowa State game as far as the spreads go, and they're both three and a half. 
Yeah, how do you how do you pick Iowa Iowa State? That's an interesting game. After Iowa won last week, I believe it's South Dakota or South Dakota State. They they won the game without a, a touchdown, seven to three. Yeah, they scored seven points and uh, not a touchdown, a field goal and two safeties. I don't know how to uh, rate that. Their offense certainly needs a little little kick, but um, well, their defense is good. It is it always is. The defense puts you, and their punting was sensational last week, <laughs> just sensational. They. Uh, that's how they got their two safeties, and it's amazing uh, the, the, the the number of teams that have won without a touchdown are very few in the last hundred years. A hundred years ago, it happened a lot. Uh, there were a lot of three to nothing games right. in the, in those days. The scoring was very low, but in in the last fifty or sixty years, it, it just doesn't happen. So who were you working for back then? Well, different people. <laughs> <laughs> Covered a lot of high school games. <laughs> I was, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, speaking of high school football, we'll get to some of those scores. Uh, a lot of action around uh, the area. A lot of points on the scoreboard again. We talked about that before we came on. But uh, and last week, the the scoreboards are ringing, aren't they? In, in high yeah, school, but too many of them are one sided, Steve. That's what I see. I, it's, right. it's disappointing to me that that so many uh, non competitive games, a uh, um, number of games in which the shot. I mean, the clock is just let run in the second half, that sort of thing. And and uh, but uh, Centennial and uh, and Muhammad Seymour continue to roll, and they look like the best the best teams in the area, don't you think? Yeah, Muhammad Seymour had a good win on the road, forty nine to fourteen at Mount Zion. Centennial beat uh, Peoria Richwoods forty five to twenty. Some of the other scores here: Prairie Central fifty five, St. Joe Ogden twenty eight. Prairie Central scored twenty seven points in the fourth quarter of that game. Champaign Central got its first win, 18-13 to over Granite City. Monticello played uh, Milwaukee Science. Academy of Science. Uh-huh. And uh, they had some big play. By the way, they had, numbers out, right? they had a kick return or a fumble return. They had an interception return. They had everything in that game Monticello did. They won 39-6. to We'll get some other scores uh, coming in. Baseball last night, Pittsburgh beat St. Louis 8-2. The Cubs over the Giants, four to two. The White Sox beat Oakland five to three. Milwaukee also lost, so the Cardinal lead is still eight games in the National League Central. We uh, mentioned high school football and uh, high school sports. We were saddened to learn of the news of the uh, passing of Lee Kabuti a couple of days ago. And Jeff Trigger is on the line with us. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Just fine. How are you? We're doing well. We want to talk to you a little bit about. Uh, Lee Kabuti at uh, Champaign High and uh, Champaign Central. You worked uh, alongside him for a while. Uh, give us your thoughts of of uh, not only of his passing, uh, which was not totally unexpected. He was 97 years old. But uh, tell us a Lee Kabuti story or two if you have one. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Lauren called me yesterday about this, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to pin down just, you know, a few, but anyway, uh, I had Lee as a teacher when I went, I went through central Champaign high school and, uh, you know, he was basketball coach, PE teacher, and, and he was my brother's basketball coach. So I'd been watching, uh, Lee Kabuti basketball for, since, you know, the late fifties. And, and, um, I saw, you know, his, uh, coaching, style and and uh you know it was interesting that i know that they they played a really good elgin team and they beat them champagne beat them 25 24 
which pretty low scoring game, but you know, a, a big part of his, hopefully you'll get a basketball coach on here later to talk about this. But anyway, his idea was, uh, if, you know, if they didn't have the ball, they couldn't score. So back, you know, he would get the ball and there's this ball control and, and, uh, he had utilized a lot of very good athletes and, uh, emphasize ball control and, and, and possession of the ball and fundamentals and, and, uh, and it was, was successful. Uh, you know, they didn't have a shot clock then, which I'm sure he wouldn't like that. But anyway, uh, after, you know, I, I went to University of Illinois and came back and started in 69-70 as PE teacher. And there was a you know, Lee at that time became athletic director shortly before I was hired. And he was really proud of the PE staff because back then, uh, PE staff was the coaching staff. And he had, like, Tommy Stewart. He had, a, a you know, a, a slew of Hall of Fame coaches. Tommy Stewart, Charlie Dew, Don Pittman, uh, Rich Woolley, um, Wes Davis was a high school was when I went to high school. He later went to Centennial, but he and, and Coleman Caradine was there for a little bit before he went to Centennial. And later on, I hired Dyke Jarrett a couple of years later and Tom Croy. So anyway, it was a great it was a great staff, and he emphasized, uh, you know, that we all worked together and, and we're all pulling for the same end. And back in those days. Uh, when your sport was over, the kids would, you know, you, it wasn't like they would do one sport all year round. They got ready for the next sport, the next season. And most of the coaches ended up coaching multiple sports. But anyway, it was, uh, you know, the whole, the whole situation in school when, you know, when I started teaching in 69, 70 was, uh, you know, there was no co-ed PE classes. So it was kind of uh, militaristic in the sense that, you would uh, do mass calisthenics at the start of class, and you were able to uh, exert a lot of discipline, and you know, do it right or start over. And, and uh, you know, it was it was uh, a good time to be teaching. And I'm sure that uh, you know, when Lee got to the end of his career, it had changed a lot. And you know, it was just uh, I was I felt very fortunate that. One, I was able to have these men as coaches and then again to be able to work with him as a coach. So, you know, I thought I had the best of those worlds there. And, and uh, you know, for that, I'll always be grateful. But anyway, well, that's that's a start. Well, Trig, I, I just thought there was a, a connection between this, the athletic staff and the discipline within the school, particularly with Tommy Stewart and I think uh, Lee Kabuti that – was maybe different than it is now. I mean, that was 50 years ago when you when you started. But I just I just saw uh, there was a, a discipline there. Uh, and tell me if if I'm correct on that. I mean, it was just it's a much stricter then and less problems. It seemed to me. Well, that's for sure. First of all, uh, there weren't as many administrators, and and you know you pretty much handled your class. And if if you had a kid that you know, or kid or kids that weren't doing what they're supposed to do, you'd have them go run run laps or run stairs or do something. And you would, you know, you were in control of the discipline of your class. And if there was, uh, 
any trouble in the school, they usually would come to the PE department and say, you know, we need some help with this or that. And, and uh, it was like, you know, we were, we were helping, you know, discipline in other situations if necessary, but yeah, you're, you are correct. And then, uh, you know, it's just evolved from there as, as I said, you know, to me, uh, when I first started teaching, um, if, if a kid got in trouble in your class, you know, he'd have to answer to his parents. And at the end, when I was retiring, if a kid got in trouble, you'd have to answer to his parents. So <laughs> it just changed over that 30-plus years. But anyway, you're right. Well, uh, one one uh, negative maybe relative to uh, Kabuti uh, among former players was the fact that he did want to control the ball. That was not... You know, it was he was the direct opposite of Harry Combs, who the gym is named after, and Lee's name is on the same gym. But uh, Harry was a run, shoot, run guy that you know that wound up uh, going from Champaign all the way to the University of Illinois. But when Lee came in, he was he was he wanted to be in control of the game, didn't he? I mean, this was kind of a he played a different style of game than than uh, Champaign had known in the previous years. Yeah, and, and you know. Uh... He had he utilized a, a lot of very good athletes, a lot of black athletes that you know were really good, you know, at controlling the basketball. And and if if you play his own defense, he just hold the ball. He didn't mind, you know, hold the ball and wait till the end of the quarter and, and try and make a basket, uh, you know. So if you try to take the ball away from him, you couldn't do it. And by coming out of your zone, you opened up opportunities for him to score. And again, he was. Uh, I saw, I, you know, I, I was in high school when they played Springfield, and I think maybe Springfield won the state championship that year. But anyway, it was very low-scoring first half, something like, you know, eight to six or something like that <laughs> because they would hold the ball, you know. And uh, that's what he thought his best opportunity to win. If, you know, if he was out-talented, then he would make you play his kind of basketball. So... Hey Jeff, good to catch. Good to catch up with you. Um, going to move along here, but uh, keep it in the fairway this weekend. Could you do that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep, keep it in the, the fairway. Keep it in the fairway. <laughs> oh, you know you're cutting out. I'm, you're killing my practice. <laughs> you know, you know. I, I'm going to say this real quick about Lee again. You know, I, 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 you can't. You know, there's a lot to say, but one of the things that some people don't know. I know they in the article in the paper they talk about us to growing tomatoes, but he organized uh, teacher trips where, you know, after I retired, I would have never done this had it not been for Lee, but, you know, like 40, 40, 50 teachers, you know, we took trips to Hawaii and England and Scotland and Rome, Italy, Croatia, Spain, Caribbean, you know, all kinds of stuff. And it was really, uh, you know, General Kabuti organizing it, and um, you know it was something that I'll always be grateful because I would have never thought about doing that stuff. Good stuff, Jeff. So. Uh, try not to hit more than a thousand balls today, okay? <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thanks. Good talking to you, and you know, hopefully, uh, you'll hear from some other people like perhaps Rich Willie. But anyway, that's uh, all. Please. Thanks, Thank Trig. Thanks, Norn. That's uh, Jeff Trigger, everybody, at 9.15. We'll take a break and be back with more. We'll learn more about the Virginia Cavaliers when we come back on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. The Pella Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. 
Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. PellaofChampaign.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until just 10 o'clock this morning. We have Illinois Volleyball play-by-play coming your way at 10. Our pregame coverage for Illini football this afternoon begins at 1 o'clock from Grange Grove at Memorial Stadium. Scott Beatty and Lauren Tate and others will get you going at 1 o'clock. I'll join in the fun at 2 and then kick off shortly after 3 o'clock at Memorial Stadium against the Virginia Cavaliers who are in town. And uh, their play-by-play man, John Freeman, joins us on the phone. Good morning, John. Welcome to town. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Scott. You guys got volleyball on the radio. Our radio network needs to step up. Well, we've got vo- we volleyball, women's basketball, and occasionally some, some other things. Baseball, of course, Illinois baseball in the spring. So, yeah, we're pretty busy. And uh, But we want you to tell us about uh, this Cavaliers team. What have you learned about this team? New coach, some of the same uh, cast of characters, and uh, one victory in the book so far. Yeah, we're uh, 1-0, beat University of Richmond, and only in early season college football can you play a, a school that's you know smaller than five high schools in your state, and then the very next game play the seventh largest school in the country in <laughs> the University of <laughs> Illinois. So uh, we learned a little bit in the first game playing a, an FCS opponent in Richmond, uh, but it was a, a pretty mundane game, to be honest. You know, not a lot of big shots, no trick plays. Uh, nothing other than us wanting to establish the run game. And that's a lot different this year than uh, what you guys saw last year in Charlottesville when our quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, who's who's here today, uh, threw for over 400 yards. So last year was a lot more of an aerial attack. New staff this year, much bigger emphasis on running the football. And I think the over-under in the game time, how, how long this game will take today might be three hours. <laughs> with with both teams wanting to run the football so much. Well, we thought the same thing in the uh, Wyoming game a couple of weeks ago, and it took four hours. So <laughs> you never know what to expect. But uh, let's talk about uh, Brennan Armstrong. He certainly uh, uh, put up a show last uh, last year in that game, uh, this very weekend a year ago, down in Charlottesville. And he's a left-hander. That, uh, I guess, gives teams a little bit of a different look. But uh, five touchdown passes against the Illini he had a good opener last week, too, didn't he, even on the ground? Yeah, so Brennan became Virginia's all-time leader in career yards. Uh, and ironically, he did it on a run. He needed 60 yards to, to break the great Sean Moore uh, and Bryce Perkins uh, to pass both of those players, former quarterbacks, and he busts out a 65-yard touchdown run to break the record. And that's one sneaky little thing about Brennan Armstrong is He's much more mobile than people give him credit for. Uh, and he's, you know, last year he was one of our top rushers. He's elusive. He's smart with the way he runs the football. And, uh, you know, when he wants to put his head down and lower his, his pad level, he can run somebody over. And that inspires the team. So for as much as we talk about Brennan's ability to throw the ball, which is, you know, he's one of the best you know, passing quarterbacks in the country, uh, don't be surprised if he tucks and runs a little bit today and, and some of the reins are off. And, uh, protecting him and then uh, thank goodness he's left-handed because we start a we start a freshman left tackle a true freshman left tackle <laughs> so thank goodness that's not his blind side 
John, this is Lauren Tate. Uh, tell us about that offensive line. I, I see where you've lost apparently the the top seven guys from last year, and and will the freshman actually start this week? Uh, that's the plan. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you guys don't release a depth chart. Yeah. Illinois does it. So we countered with not releasing one of our own. Oh, really? <laughs> it's the only opponent this year that will probably do that because most schools in the ACC do it. So a little bit of chess between the coaching staff. But uh, there's a, an option uh, that Mikhail Boley will start it at left tackle, a true freshman. I don't know how versed you guys are in NFL, but he was the first true freshman at Virginia to start a season opener at tackle since a guy named DeBrickishaw Ferguson did it. And DeBrickishaw Ferguson was a guy who played for the New York Jets for, I think, almost a decade and is about to be inducted into their ring of honor and was the all-time great lineman for that franchise. So uh, it's, it's not, a, not a, a start that was unnoticed by the media and by the coaching staff, but uh, he did get the start because a guy named Jonathan Leach uh, has a hand injury, and uh, Leach was available for emergency duty uh, against Richmond. Uh, maybe if they needed you know, a game-winning drive, they would have thrown him in there. I don't necessarily know. Uh, how available he is today, whether it's you know, emergency duty again or if they're going to rotate him in a little bit more. But we lost the whole darn offensive line from last year. <laughs> Transfers and graduations hit us hard, and we're, we're breaking in a new set of, of offensive linemen. Yeah, before we get off of last year, the, losing those last four games, was, was that what led Mendenhall to, to step down? I mean, was, was there something that, that came apart in those late games? Uh, everything that, that Coach Mendenhall has said uh, for his reasons were he was just needed a break and, and from college football. And, I mean, you guys know college football in the last five years has just grown and, and sped up exponentially with the responsibilities of a coach and with the transfer portal and NIL and facility demands and conference realignment, uh, everything that he's reported uh, for his his decision making was both it was a personal decision his his kids had just graduated high school and uh, he was an empty nester for the first time uh, and then also just needed a pause from the stresses of college football uh, I've always heard a few coaches say you know professors get a sabbatical why can't college coaches just get a <laughs> year off yeah. and be able to come back to their position at their institution. Well, talk about these uh, these receivers because I, I I mentioned I don't think Illinois will face a core of receivers like this all season. I know Purdue's got a great passing game, but they don't have receivers like this. Yeah, if, if your listeners are going to the game today, you're going to see a few guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. Uh, this is a wide receiver group that, in practice, they, they label themselves BITN, which stands for best in the nation. <laughs> they might be right, to be honest. Uh, we've got a guy named Dontavian Wicks, number three, uh, who could very well be you know, a first or second round draft pick. Uh, Keaton Thompson is a, a player who at one point in his career was the starting quarterback at Mississippi State, uh, transferred to Virginia and has been made into a wide receiver that they call the football player. Like he didn't even have a position because he can do so many different things. Uh, and then you throw in you know, Billy Kemp, who's one of Virginia's all-time leader in career receptions. He plays in the slot. Is a wide receiver group that is that is deep. It's versatile, and it's got a, guys with a lot of different talents. You know, Wicks is a deep threat. Kemp is uh, small and, and quick, and uh, you know hard to find on crossing routes. And uh, you know if you stop one, 
you got another problem with, with one of the others. And you've got another one who is 6'7", uh, Lavelle Davis, who caught uh, four passes oh, for uh, 89 <laughs> yards last week. I didn't even mention him. Yeah, he'll stand out. Yeah, Lavelle is he, – he didn't play last year. He uh, was a freshman two years ago and had a fantastic freshman year. And, you know, everybody expected uh, him to have a, a massive sophomore campaign. And he uh, hurt himself, season-ending injury, on the first day of spring training and you know, didn't play against Illinois last year as he sat out the whole season. He's back, six seven, about 220. Great hands, breakaway speed. So, yeah, he's, he's another – uh, bullet in the, the chamber for Virginia. Another couple of minutes with John Freeman, the uh, radio voice of the Virginia Cavaliers. You talked about uh, uh, Tony Elliott trying to establish the run game. Uh, I look at your running backs, and they're not big in stature, 5'7 and 5'9, Paris Jones and Mike Hollins. Tell us more about them. Yeah, Paris will stick it up in there. I mean, he's, he runs a lot bigger than uh, he looks. Uh, if you go to practice and you, know, you see him up close, I think he's probably underlisted for his weight. I mean, he's he's a thick, sturdy, balanced kid, but also with some explosion. And uh, he's a really interesting player. Paris Jones, our starting running back. He's the first UVA running back. And this talks about how little we ran the ball last year. Uh, and I know the Bronco men and all regime. He's the first Virginia running back to run for over 100 yards in a game since 2018, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, your running back does that, you know, 10 times a year. And, and Paris is is the first one to do it in almost four years. Uh, he's he's a good kid. I mean, he's a former walk-on. Um, he's got two degrees already in English and American uh, African-American studies. Uh, he, you know, at one point was just a career special teams player. And then Tony Elliott comes in and just unlocks him and, you know, notices him and, and puts him in a position to succeed. And, you know, he's taken the job and just run with it. Um, Mike Collins, the coaches make um, you know no mistake in saying that you know, he's the most talented running back of the group. They continue to push him to kind of find that next level and next gear. And, and right now, Paris is the starting running back, but this is a, a coaching staff that has said, uh, you know, we'll feed the hot hand. There's no bell cow on this running back group. Also, quick note: uh, Ronnie Walker may come back today, a player who broke his leg in spring practice. Uh, and then also Cody Brown's been cleared today, a running back that transferred from the University of uh, Miami and was recruited by Tony Elliott at Clemson. So we got four guys that you could see carry the football today. And I guess we should wind up this uh, discussion with the, with the mentioning the defense, which has not been very good, and at least in in the past uh, year uh, gave up way too many points. <laughs> yeah, they gave up a lot of points last year, and there's that's no secret. So. Uh, this year, it's a different look. You know, it's it's just a different system and different coordinator and um, some different personnel, some really good transfers that we have on the defensive line. You know, see Cam Butler in there, who was a great player at University of Miami of Ohio and you know, kind of dominated the MAC during his career there and, and transferred to play Power 5 football. Uh, we've got a tremendous linebacker, Nick Jackson, number six. He led the ACC in, in tackles uh, last year and is probably going to do it again this year. Uh, the question is, you know, can Virginia step up and, and stop that running game? We struggled a, a little bit against Richmond uh, at times. Uh, was better in the second half. Uh, and hopefully that's an indicator of, of how today goes defensively. But uh, certainly the onus is on the defense to, to make some improvements, and today's a really good opportunity for it. Was Tony Elliott a popular hire in uh, Virginia territory? Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's already halfway to being the mayor of Charlottesville. He's <laughs> He's a really, you know, fun guy and, and uh, just 
it relates to the players and is so articulate and has a tremendous, you know, personal story of, of perseverance and resilience to, to get to where he is. And uh, the other thing is he's uh, just so active with what he does with his team and bringing them to the community. So a little example is, you know, we played Richmond last week at 1230 in the afternoon. So an early game the night before there was a pep rally in the town of Charlottesville at 8:30 at night and he brought his entire team to the pep rally so they didn't even get back to the hotel until about 9:30 which is like unthinkable you know for college coaches and how much they want to control the schedule and and have their players uh, accounted for the night before a game uh, so he's he's not afraid to to make some sacrifices to make sure that the town of Charlottesville and uh, the surrounding community sees his players, acknowledges them, and, and grows to like them as much as they've grown to like uh, hey, Tony Elliott. John, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you over at the Memorial Stadium in a few hours, and have a good broadcast later today. I'm looking forward to it. And a real quick note to Illini fans, awesome stadium. We went in yesterday, fantastic facility. You guys should be really proud. It's uh, really neat from the outside, and, and we can't wait to get inside it. Very good. Thanks, John. Thank you. You bet. That's John Freeman, the radio voice of the Virginia Cavaliers. He'll be on with his network this afternoon, as will we. 9.31, quick break, then an open line for a few minutes. If you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. Back with more after this. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. Moving up on 935, 217-356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to uh, get in here in the next few minutes. We've got a guest scheduled at 945, Taylor Rooks, who is a U of I graduate in town for the uh, women's sports summit the 50-year anniversary of title nine i have her on about 9:45. but in the meantime if you want to jump in feel free to give us a call a couple of other notes congratulations to former Illini tennis player rajiv ram and his partner joe salisbury doubles champions for the second straight year at the u.s yep. open he's had a great career in doubles hasn't he, he really has and we're off at 10 o'clock this morning for illinois volleyball the um Illinois volleyball team beat Missouri State three to one yesterday in Dayton. They'll play Villanova this morning at ten, and then our football pregame coverage gets underway at one o'clock this afternoon at Memorial Stadium. Baseball scores: If you missed them, Cardinals lost to Pittsburgh eight to two. The Cubs beat the Giants four to two. The White Sox over the A's five to three. Milwaukee also lost, and some rule changes announced yesterday in Major League Baseball starting next year, involving the shift, pitch clock, but no robo-umpires. No, not for another year. Right. I guess they're, they're just, it's going to take a, another year to implement that where everybody will be, I shouldn't say where everybody will be satisfied, but I think a lot of pitchers will be happy with it because I think that their umpires are missing a lot of strikes. Boy, and that box they have on there really, really 
mm-hmm. and gives it away. Yeah. And, you know, the ones that are on the line or in the corner, you know, you could, okay, that could go either way. But there, there are some, there are two or three inches inside the box yeah. that get called balls. Yeah. I, but, I, I know it drives you crazy. But, uh, and it's going to, it's going to drive batters crazy next year when balls are on that low inside corner that just tick the, yeah. all you have to do is touch it. It's like, it's like a, a tennis shot. If it touches the line, it's fair. It's baseball. If it touches the line, uh, when it's hit, it's fair. Right. And if it touches the line in, in, in this quadrangle. And by the way, did you see where your strike zone is going to be different from, uh, from my strike zone? <laughs> You mean a short guy and a tall guy? Yeah, well, I'm not <laughs> a tall guy, but I, I, by, by another inch or two, I might, I got, I'm going to have a bigger strike zone than you are. What about that shortstop that Pittsburgh's playing at 6'7"? Yeah. You see him? Uh-huh. He's going to have yeah. trouble with him. So what they're going to do is, based on your height, they're going to they're going to have, before the season starts, they're going to settle on your strike zone, and that, that'll be the rectangle that comes up when you come to bat. So yeah. it'll be, you, you, I was going to say, you'll be different than Judge. Right. You have to throw low strikes to get to me. <laughs> Let's uh, bring in Marty here. What do you say, Marty? Well, Steve, Lauren, morning to you. Hey, uh, I thought the strike zone was always different based on the size of the player. I was an umpire for many years before my eyes really went bad, and it changed with every guy. Sure. Yeah, well, no, I, it does. It, it does change, but my point is that you've got to prepare the rectangle in 2024 when the, when the robot umpires come in. Uh, each 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 player will have a rectangle based on his size. Well, I don't like robot umpires. Let's put it that way. Here's the other thing I don't like. They want to speed the game up. Just an idea. I know, of course, it would never happen. They want to speed the game up, and they want to get away from the 3-2 outcomes, um, as they're talking about. Why don't they just move in the ballparks where they can, move the fences back 50 feet, in the ballparks where they can't just build a wall about 40 feet high, and if that would make them have to find players that could cover lots of ground in the outfield, uh, it would make them develop runs by a source other than the home run, which is a big problem. Uh, I know this is wishful thinking, guys, but it seems to me that'd be better than the tinkering they're doing. Anyway. Well, if they if they raise the left field fence fifty feet, it's going to be kind of hard for the fans in the <laughs> left field stands to see the game. They'd be up pretty high, wouldn't they? <laughs> They'd be in your shape, Marty. They'd be just be sitting there and listening to it. <laughs> I want everyone to be like me. I, I was assuming they would lift the stands up too. <laughs> okay. Good uh, observation, Lauren. Could just be me being selfish and want everybody. <laughs> The world the way I do. <laughs> you're sharp this morning. I, you're going to write a great article about the day. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I got, I'm got. i scared to death. I wasn't near as scared until I heard from John Freeman. They're going to throw that ball against Illinois, and I don't know if we can stop them. Even though they say they're trying to establish the run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope every time they run, I'm going to say, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you've got five new offensive linemen, and a quarterback that runs well and throws well, uh, you're not going to be running the ball near as much against a decent defensive line. That's right. I mean, you can run against a, an FCS team, uh, but you can't necessarily run against Randolph and Newton. I, I don't see that in Avery. I don't, I don't see any way it's going to be a running game. from them. They're going to throw it. And we've got some decent defensive backs, so can we this, – this game is going to be more important than ever. Can our running game stay on the field? Yeah, keep the ball from them. 
that's really going to, and special teams going to be important today. Well, I think the big thing is can our running, can our offense score when they get in the red zone? That's the key because I know we're going to get down there. I just wonder how many times we can push it on in. But I'm, I'm really worried about that pass. I mean, when you got that many great receivers, these, these guys are NFL receivers. Yep, but it, it all boils down to can you put NFL pressure on the quarterback? Right, that's right. You, and if he gets to sit back there like he did last year, yeah, it's going to be ugly. <laughs> okay. He, I remember last year that game forced Ryan Walters to change his defense around. Yeah, basically. it did. And well, back back to the question that, that began this is phone call. Do you like the idea of two players having to be stationed on each side of second base next year? Two well, defenders. I'm, my thinking. I've always been embarrassed that a major league hitter can't hit the ball the other way if he wants to. That's that's my first point. I don't mind it. I've always wondered what's the big deal. So one of the guys is standing almost at second base. And he can move when the ball's thrown. So yeah, but you can't be moving as the ball's thrown. I mean, I mean, and be uh, be a very effective fielder. I mean, you, you, you know, you need to be set where you can go either way. Yep, yep, I know. But I, I just the big to do is I don't think you need to make players have both feet in the dirt because if I got one of these big left-handed, right-hand power hitters up, I'm going to be as a shortstop or second baseman, ten yards in the or ten feet in the grass to give myself some range and some some time. I don't I don't like dictating it, Lauren. I really don't. It may it maybe it'll help the game, but I would rather see players who could learn to hit the ball the other way if they want to shift on me. Good stuff, Marty. Thanks. I need to move along a little bit, but thank you, uh, Eric in Champaign. Uh, got a comment on the baseball rules. Yeah, I was just wondering. Did, well, I was thinking about the shifts. Though they could, uh, they could bring an outfielder over to uh, to play where the, the uh, infielders used to play. You know, they never said anything about that being illegal. <laughs> you know, like the left fielder uh, yeah. over to the where second base. Yeah, you I, could I'm do thinking, that. Think, I'm thinking outside the box because you know some some teams play with two uh, two outfielders anyway. When guys like Rizzo come up and or Joey Gallo <laughs> who do nothing but pull the ball. Um, did they talk about getting rid of that stupid ghost runner? thing on second base and the extra innings I hope that's going out. No, uh, that's, that's staying year. in. Is it? Yeah. No, did they I, say I that, that for sure? No. I, they no, didn't say for... it, but they didn't say it was going away either. That's a that's a COVID thing that just needs to go away. It was supposed to be temporary. <laughs> um, but uh, I was going to say, what, what's the attendance look like for today's game? Have they said any estimates? They've not said. They, As you heard earlier this week, they made some tweaks to the uh, game day operation. Hopefully that will get people in there a little quicker and a little smoother. But uh, I would, you know, if they could get to knock on the door 40, I think that would be good. But the opening day crowd was 37 tickets sold. Mm -hmm. So I I didn't answer your question, but it's another good day for a college football game. Definitely, it'll be it'll start to go downhill a little bit after this. I would think temperature-wise, but right. yeah. anyway, all right. Well, I just wanted to find out what you thought of the ghost runner thing. So, have a good show, guys. Thank you. You know, I, I apologize for this, but I kind of like the ghost runner because I don't want to sit there and wait another nine innings for somebody to score. I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of look forward. Well, put him I, on first, I, then. Don't put him on second. Well, okay, whatever. But I mean. The thing I and and people disagree with me on this, but I don't understand why you don't bunt him to third every time. Right now, I'm I shouldn't say every time. 
if you got a left-handed hitter up and and you know he's going to pull the ball, then maybe you, you know, and he's a good hitter, but if <laughs> I I just uh, I I just want to see that guy on third with one out. If I if if it's my team, right. if it's your team, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> We need to take a break at 945. We'll do that and be back with more after this. Stay right there. 948, Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 10 today. Just till 10 because of Illinois volleyball broadcast coming up. Illinois playing in Dayton, Ohio against Villanova this morning after winning 3-1 last night in Dayton against Missouri State. Happy to welcome back to the program, Illinois graduate Taylor Rooks, who's in town this weekend. Taylor, good morning. How are you? Good morning. It's so nice to hear you. Nice to have you back in town. Uh, Give us a (laughs) little bit of an update of what brought you back. Uh, The uh, Title IX Women's Summit that was held yesterday, how did that go? It was amazing. Yeah, so I'm so thankful that I was able to emcee that and really feel the history in that room of so many women that have, you know, impacted the progress of, of University of Illinois when it comes to Title IX and also just women's sports and, and equity within that space as well. So it was really nice just, you know, hearing the stories and, and seeing everybody come back together. Well, Dr. Carol Cars, who Lauren and I both uh, knew pretty well, she was she was a pioneer. She was one of the leaders in uh, Title IX way back when, wasn't she? Yeah, absolutely. And hearing people talk about what she meant to them and the university and how she just dedicated so much of her life, all of her life, to making sure women got everything that, that they deserved. So to hear her spoke about so fondly and just really see so many people that were direct products of the work that she did uh, was really special. Well, Taylor, this is Lauren. Uh, great to hear your voice. Uh, tell us what you're doing now. I, I know you've made a move here recently. and Bring us up to date on your uh, career. Yeah, so I will still be doing my interview show on Turner Sports and Bleacher Report, but I am now a part of the Thursday Night Football crew. So I'll be doing all the sit-downs and feature interviews um, for Thursday Night Football throughout the rest of the season. I'm sure that makes your dad happy. Tell how how's Thomas Rooks <laughs> doing these days? He, he, by the way, led the Illini in rushing uh, three times in a row in the 19, mid-1980s, including a 1,000-yard season. How's he doing these days? Yes, no, he's great, and he's very, very happy. You know that I'll be, I'll be covering football a lot more now. But you know, both my parents are are super proud, and of course, incredibly supportive. So they're they're looking forward to watching Thursday night football a bit more this season. Where are you based out of? Where do you live? New York. Yeah, so still in Lower Manhattan, um, but I travel so much that sometimes I forget where I live. <laughs> <laughs> how how closely are you able to follow? Uh, Illinois sports. I saw a picture with you and the basketball team a day or so ago on social media. Yeah, I mean, you know, I definitely try when I can. You know, you're pulled in so many different directions and, you know, covering everything with NFL and NBA is such a task within itself that, you know, you kind of have to focus on that. But I, of course, you know, see when they won, see why they lost (laughs) when they do lose, keep track of the roster and just kind of who the leaders are going to be on these individual teams. So it was really nice to be at practice. They had Super, super high energy. Um, I really wanted to see, you know, Sky as well. There's been so much hype around him, so I wanted to see him scrimmage too. So it was really fun. Well, you know, Josh Whitman made the comment about the benefits of competition for the women and how it's increased in the last 50 years. Uh, Your thoughts on that and, and what it means to women these days? 
Yeah, it means so much because, you know, with all of the athletes that I speak to, specifically the women, you learn that, you know, playing sports for them isn't just about, you know, staying in shape or about being athletic. You're learning more than just you know, the physical elements of sports, you know, you're learning how to win, you're learning how to lose, you're learning teamwork, you're learning leadership, you're learning how to, you know, manage others, uh, you're learning time management, you're learning discipline. Um, and all of these are the benefits of sport. And when you were so restricted to women, they were missing out on those things that, you know, sports actually teaches you. So to see so many women in it, you know, not just because, you know, they deserve all of the same attention to accolades as men, but to see them in sports and reap the benefits of sport has definitely grown exponentially. And it's really cool to see, you know, there's so many stats out there that talk about these Fortune 500 companies and the women that run them. And over half of them also played sports collegiately. So there's clearly very intentional and important traits that you learn from being an athlete um, that are beneficial to women. When you uh, spoke as MC, were you able to uh, give your comments at that time? Um, a little bit, you know, but I definitely wanted the women who were so heavily a part of it, uh, you know, to be able to, to tell their stories. And I just wanted to serve as the point guard, you know, a little bit of a guide um, in terms of, you know, the run of the show for, for the day. But I definitely made sure everyone really knew and took time to reflect about the fact that, like I said, everyone in that room is a direct product of that change um, and can point, you know, that change directly back to someone like Carol Carr. Also, I want to mention that Paula Smith, who was the coach for 28 years here of the women's golf program, was honored by the Varsity I along with Bev Washington and Jane and John Santagrassi. Uh, this has been a great weekend for women. And, of course, uh, Teresa Grintz with the Naismith Hall of Fame uh, just uh, – a great, uh, a great weekend uh, is called a summit for the women, and and that's what it is. Anything uh, you'd like to add before we let you go? Um, no, I mean just how you know happy I am every time I get to come back to the University of Illinois. This place means so much to me. Um, I just, I just feel forever indebted to everybody in Champaign. Um, and you too. I always tell people the most beneficial part of being, you know, a media student there was that I got to be in the press boxes and see the professionals work and see how they did their job. So I'm thankful to you guys, too, for always being someone I could look to when I was a student there. And I just go Illini. That's really all I have to say. At what point in your life, Taylor Rooks, did you decide that you wanted to do this as a career? Oh, I mean, I think I've always known. Um, it's something that I've always said I wanted to do. But when I got to school, I really decided I needed to just be completely solid in that and follow that trajectory, you know. So that's why I was, you know, from freshman year to senior year in the press boxes and covering Atlanta football and basketball and covering recruiting. You know, I really wanted to learn everything I could about the different roles in journalism and different things that you can do. So I think that those four years was really just about me figuring out what I was good at, what I was bad at, and what I wanted to hone in on. But I had that advantage of knowing really early um, that this is what I wanted to do. Did your dad teach you how to tiptoe down the sidelines <laughs> with, a, with a winning touchdown? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he uh, passed down the athletic gene to me, unfortunately, but I, I have seen that video too many times to count. I could probably do it off memory. <laughs> hey, Taylor, good to catch up with you. Thank you very much. Uh, look forward to seeing you, perhaps. Thank you so much. You all have a great day. You too. Thank that's, you. That's Taylor Bye. Rooks with us back in town. She's 
got a career. She worked for the Big Ten Network for a while and uh, doing work for the Turner Group and the Bleacher Report and some of those areas. And she mentioned the new duties on uh, on Thursday Night Football. One other note along these lines of the Women's Summit of the Esquire uh, the News Gazette uh, sports reporters return to the Esquire on Monday night, and the guest will be Sarah Burton, who is in administration at the U of I, and Janet Rayfield. Those will be the two guests at the Esquire, hour number two of Sports Talk on Monday night. So if you're an Esquire regular, they are back. Got about a minute left, Lauren. Uh, give me your thoughts on this ball game today that kicks off shortly after 3 o'clock. Well, it's, it's Illinois' running game against Virginia's passing game. And uh, somewhere along the line, the line, I've got to get, get some pickoffs. They've got to get some turnovers, and I think, and, and they've got to finish drives when they have them. And I, I, think, that, uh, uh, I think that a lot of people jumping on the fact that uh, Illinois is a four-and-a-half-point favorite uh, probably feel like uh, Illinois can't pull that off. And I, I don't know if they can or not. A lot of our own media people, uh, including uh, Richie, uh, have uh, have uh, picked uh, Virginia to win the game, and I can see why. You'll be able to hear it all right here, as you will Illinois Volleyball, coming up in just a couple of minutes on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. That's it for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Have a good weekend and enjoy the game. Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start 